This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. Hallelujah. What an awesome God we serve. He is worthy to be praised. He's an awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. How much he loves us, how much he cares for us. We give him all the praise, the honor, and the glory. What an awesome God we serve. Hallelujah. Our scripture today, Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. We want to say a very special thank you to Sister Maxine Brown-Jones for a very last minute stepping in for us with music. Thank you, Sister. God bless you. Amen. Galatians 1, 3 through 5. And it reads, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen, Amen. Our subject this morning Our Father yes, sir. Yes. Let us pray God our creator sustainer redeemer we thank you for another opportunity to come before you Thank you for how you bless, how you keep, how you strengthen us. Thank you for being an awesome God, a delivering God, a healing God, a God who knows everything. So bless at this moment in a special way that we, your servants, might hear, but not just be hearers, that we may follow your word and do your will. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Father. Happy Father's Day. We remember fathers. We do pay recognition to the contribution of all biological fathers. The contributions that biological fathers have made in your life. Now, uh, we do still need men in order to have babies in 2023. So even if you've never saw the person who made that contribution into your life, we still thank God for him because we thank God for you. Yeah, you, you would not be here without that biological contribution. And we say because of who you are to God, be the glory. We are so glad you're here. One song says, we're so glad you're here in Jesus' name. We celebrate also those men who stood up and began to assist with the raising of children that were not their own biological children. We take time to celebrate all of those fathers as well. And we say to you, to God, be the glory. Our Father, our Father, our. Notice our scripture text. It says, grace and written by Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia and to us, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Our, our, our is a pronoun. 
Yeah. Um, it's belonging, it means belonging to or connected with us. The possessive form of we used before a noun. Yeah, like these are our children, our, or these are our plans, our plans have changed. We're talking about our father. There's a lot we can have that's belonging to. There's a lot we can have that we're connected to with others. Not mine, but ours. We heard a sermon not too long ago from Dr. Cosby. We talked, or a message uh, at the workshop talked about Dr. Cosby when he talked about the Good Samaritan and how when he was on the road, the thieves uh, took hold of him and beat him, left him half dead, and their philosophy was what yours is mine. And then he said the Levite and the priest passed by, and they just passed by, didn't do anything, and their philosophy was what mine is mine. But then the Samaritan came by and began to offer aid to him and to help him, and his philosophy was, what's mine is yours. But not mine today, we're not talking about but mine, but we're talking about ours. We say it all the time. We talk about our house, our community, our city, our state, our friends, our neighbors, our church. We even sometimes talk about our situation that we might be in. Um, we'll talk about our concerns. We'll talk about our problems. We'll talk about our, our, those things that, that we all have in common. But today we recognize and share one who belongs to and is connected with all of us. Our Father. Our Father. Uh, do, do you understand? Our Father. When we talk about all of the things we talk about, our, our, some folks say, mine, that's mine, this is mine, this is what I have, this is what I have. But he is our father. Wow, what, what, what a greatness. Um, another definition says, belonging to or associated with the speaker and one or more other people previously mentioned or easily identified. Let me say it again. Another definition for our is belonging to or associated with the speaker and one or more other people previously mentioned or easily identified. Yeah, so we talk about our, we say our, whoever is saying our is the one that's saying this belongs or whatever this is, is mine and yours at a minimum, could be mine and others. So if I was to say that uh, this was, was my message I'm giving, I could say now it's our message, but the speaker is the one who can determine whether or not it's all of ours or just his or hers. So look at this text on the day, and this is Apostle Paul speaking. It is Apostle Paul, writer of many of the epistles, who says to us in his word, God is our Father. He, he's letting us know this. He's telling us that when we walk, when we talk, when we live, that, that he's just not his Father, but he's our Father. I don't know, have you ever taken the time to acknowledge that God is your father? I do know that some people have an issue with fathers, period. Some people don't want God to be their father because they've had a bad experience with their biological or their earthly father. But understand, when God steps up to be our father, that's a big deal. Because he's one that's awesome. He's one who cares. He's one who loves. He's one who rules. 
He's the one who looks out for our very best at all times. He is our Father. Apostle Paul says he's our Father. The one who says um, that we should, in fact, rejoice in the Lord always. He says, and again, I say rejoice. The one who says that we can go through everything and whatever we go through, that God can guide us, direct us, and keep us. He's the one who writes to us about there's no condemnation in them who love the Lord. He's the one who tells us emphatically that um, whatever's going on in our life, we don't have to worry about it because we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are the called according to the purpose. Apostle Paul is the one that gives us these words, and he's saying to us, he is our Father. Yeah, the one who is speaking and sharing that with others. But let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In Matthew 6, verse 9, we find these words. These are the words of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father. Y'all didn't hear me, y'all didn't hear me. Jesus says to us, Mother Wilson, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's saying our Father because it's belonging to or associated with the speaker and Jesus is the speaker. He's saying to us that his Father is our Father. What, what, what a family, what a family that is. Jesus' Father is our Father. Just pause for a second and let that relate to you. Jesus says our Father. The same Father that Jesus has, we have. He is our elder brother. We are adopted into the family of God. Now, I don't know how excited you get about that because some folk, you know, don't have the, sometimes in adopted families and foster homes, they don't feel that warm and fuzzy thing about it. That is something. I'll never forget one day when my dad was explaining to my sister, Anita, who was adopted, and she was feeling some way, I guess, about being adopted. I don't know what was going on, but I was sitting there when he's talking to her and explaining to her. He said, Anita, you got to understand something now. Please understand this. He says, you know, these, these sons, they just came. You know, they, they showed up. But we adopted you. We chose you. Almost to say like, he didn't say this, but almost like, we wanted you. <laughs> I, I, I need you to understand, when we are adopted into God's family, it's because he wants us. He wants you. He's adopted us into his family. That's how he's our father, our provider, our deliverer, the one who cares for us. He cares for everything we're going through, have ever gone through, or going through right now. He is truly our father. Thank you, God. Yeah, we are adopted in the family, so that means you are my brother. You are my sister. Yeah, we are related to one another. You know, we will probably do better if we really could understand that everyone else do belong to us, regardless of who they are. Because God so loved the world, that's, that's everybody, that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He loves us all, and we ought love one another. We are brothers and sisters. Now, I know sometimes we get upset with each other, and we want to talk about each other. 
and we kind of go around each other back. Some people backstabbing and talking about folk and all this stuff. But y'all do know families do that kind of stuff. Yeah, we in the family, y'all. <laughs> we in the family. But blood is thicker than water. What that means by it is that we still have to stick together, especially those of us who love God. The world needs to see our love for each other and how God moves in us in spite of what goes on in our families. To God be the glory. What a father. Happy Father's Day. So what do you get from being from God being our Father. What do you get? What do you get from God being our Father? What privileges do you have because God is our Father? I, I remember that um, I had a privilege when I would go to the state capitol and my dad was in the House of Representatives. Um, I could literally just go onto the floor of the state capitol and, and go to other offices and everything else because they'd look at me like, why are you here? Whatever. My dad is a Reverend E. Steve Tillman Sr. <laughs> come, come, come right on. Come right on. So. But, 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 but you have privileges as being the sons and daughters of God. What, what, what do we get? What do we get? Well, first, we look at the text. We get salvation. Yeah, yeah. It says grace and peace. That's, that's what we get, grace and peace. What father, what mother, what son, what daughter does not want peace? I know, I know a lot of us, when you, you get home, I don't care what else has been going on all through, every day, everywhere else, when you get home, you at least want to have peace. You want to have peace among family and peace among those around the family and peace when you work. You, you just desire to have peace. So I, how much can you pay for peace? Just want to have peace. God gives us peace. Just a time of no drama. No headaches, no frustrations, no anxiety, no uneasiness, no hard feelings, just peace. <laughs> Isn't it great just to have peace? And I know we come here, we look good, and we, we, we come in, we don't worship him and all, but, but some folks just can't worship God because they have no peace, have no joy, can't understand what's going on, and all confused and have all kind of anxiety about everything that's going on. But God gives us grace and peace. Grace and peace is the essence of salvation. Salvation ushers in peace. What do you mean? Grace and peace summarizes Paul's gospel of salvation. The very nature of salvation is peace, or I should say reconciliation, because when, you have, when you're saved, you're now reconciled unto God. You have peace with God. You have peace with men. You have peace within yourself. You can have a peace that nobody else can understand. You have a peace because the peace of God lives in you and guides you when you come to know him. The very nature of salvation is peace and reconciliation. The source of salvation is grace. God's free favor, irrespective of any human merit or works, his loving kindness to the undeserving. That's his grace. We, we didn't deserve it. We didn't, we didn't work for it. Um, we didn't do anything to get it. But because of his love, his grace makes it possible for us to be saved. Salvation is peace with God 
through the grace of God. Wow. That's, that's one thing we get. We get salvation. Along with salvation actually comes eternal life. Now, we, we, we may not get so, so excited right now about eternal life because we're all looking at more life on this side. But trust me, my brother, trust me, my sister, there's going to come a time in your life that you're going to only care about whether or not heaven is my home. He gives us salvation. Secondly, he gives us deliverance and freedom. Look at Galatians 1, 4. It says, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God, according to the will of our God and Father. God, our Father, gave his Son, Jesus, to deliver us and set us free from this present age. Christ died for our sins. Hmm. Christ died for our sins. The character of his death is indicated in the expression of who gave himself for our sins. The New English Bible translates who sacrificed himself for our sins. The death of Jesus Christ was primarily... It was primarily neither a display of love nor an example of heroism, but a sacrifice for sin. Indeed, the use of the sum of the best manuscripts of the preposition parry in the phrase of, for our sins may be an echo of the Old Testament expression for a sin offering. In other words, we all have sinned and we need it to get right with God. When Abraham showed his faith in God by obeying him, by taking his son Isaac, we look at Genesis chapter 22, looking at verse 1, it says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. We know the story of how Abraham got Isaac and two other servants and went to Mount Moriah to literally sacrifice his son. Three days he get there, and then he leaves the servants, and they're heading up to the place of sacrifice. Put the wood on Isaac's back, and they walk up. They get up to the place for sacrifice. Isaac was kind of astute. He kind of done this before, and he was like, Okay, Daddy, I see the wood. We got the fire. He said, but um, where's the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide. I can see Isaac not fighting his father because he trusted his father. His father trusted our father. And they took him and he bound Isaac and placed him on the altar to sacrifice him. Took the knife out to kill him. Yeah. And the voice spoke to him, said, angels spoke to him, said, no, don't slay him. I see that you are faithful. I see that you are trusting, that you have sacrificed your only son. I see that you have sacrificed your son. Now look at this. Don't do this. Notice there is a ram in the bush. <laughs> sacrifice the ram instead of your son. Now you need to note this that it took three days. There's some similarities to something else you know about. 
At the point that God told Abraham to sacrifice your son, in Abraham's mind and heart, his son was dead. I'm doing what God said, I will no longer have my son. Three days later, after Isaac carried the wood on his shoulder and get to the place of sacrifice, that's when he finds out that he doesn't have to sacrifice his son and his son comes alive on that third day. Do, do, Do you understand that the New Testament teaches that Christ's death was a sin offering, this unique sacrifice by which our sins may be forgiven and put away. I know sometimes we talk about your sins are forgiven. We think that's just an easy thing. Okay, okay, good. Pastor said my sins are forgiven. No, the word of God said your sins are forgiven because of the work that was already done in Christ. God the Father loved us so much that he sacrificed his only son. Because his son lived a perfect life and he was just right. He was the right kind of sacrifice. He was the kind of lamb that could be sacrificed. So he allowed his son to have nails put in his hands, nails put in his feet, crown of thorns on, on his head. And our Lord and Savior died that we might have life. He bore in his righteousness person the curse of judgment, which is sin deserved. He took on our sins. Martin Luther comments that these words are very Thunderclaps from heaven against all kind of righteousness, that is, all forms of self-righteousness. Once we have seen that Christ gave himself for our sins, we realize that we are sinners unable to save ourselves. We realize we are sinners unable to save ourselves. There was nothing we could do to get salvation. There was nothing we could say. There was, there was no money we could pay. There was nothing we could do. But God loved us so much that Jesus died. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He loved us so much. Christ died to rescue us. Look what that text says. To rescue us from this present age. If the nature of Christ's death on the cross was for our sins... Its object was to rescue us out of the present age of wickedness. Bishop J.B. Lightfoot writes that this verb, or deliver, rescue, strikes the keynote of the epistle. The gospel is a rescue. It adds an emancipation from a state of bondage. The gospel rescues us. Our father gave his son for our freedom. Yeah. Christ died to rescue us. One purpose for Christ's death is to rescue us from the present evil age, not from the evil world, but the evil age. The gospel is an emancipating message. It delivers believing sinners from the power of the present world system through the power of the indwelling Christ, just as certainly as it delivers them from eternal judgment to come. How appropriate, how appropriate is it on this day to celebrate the fact that our Father gives us deliverance and freedom even as we celebrate a time of our people being set free from the bondage of slavery. Juneteenth, a national Independence Day holiday, a federal holiday in the United States of America commending the emancipation of enslaved African Americans, deriving its name from combining June and 19th. 
It is celebrated on the anniversary of the order issued two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation by General Gordon Granger on June 19, 1865, proclaiming freedom for all for slaves in Texas, originating in Galveston. Juneteenth has since been observed annually in various parts of the United States. We look at Juneteenth and see how it happened. What happened was even as they were getting more and more slaves during the time of the Civil War, they were moving them west because they were trying their best to get out of the conflict of the Civil War. So more and more were moving west and get to Texas and thinking that even in Texas, their hand could not touch them because they could just do what they want to do. We know how Texas sometimes even think that today. But we know that we have this freedom. Abraham Lincoln already signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and it's supposed to go into effect on, on, uh, on the 1st, January 1st of, of 1863. But then it's carried over. But now it is recognized, because now federal troops can get to Texas, and now even they can experience this freedom, even though there were two states in the north that still had legal slavery. But I'm saying on this Father's Day, what a great time to understand that our Father looks to free us. Our Father continues to give us freedom individually and give us freedom as a people. He gives us freedom to do the work he's called us to do. What a great Father we have. So why did our Father put in place to give us this grace and peace? Why would he give us this deliverance from this evil age? Lastly, so you know, because it's his will. It's our Father's will. Galatians 1, 4 says, Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our Father, our God, and our Father. It's our Father's will. For God's purpose is not to take us out of the world, but that we should stay in it and be both the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We have a job to do. We're not free just so we can sit around and say, Ooh, I'm free, y'all. He didn't liberate us from the evils of this world just so we could continue to just live an evil life. He freed us from the, the, the very paws of Satan so we could live for Christ and help others to come to know Christ. It's his will that none should perish. We should never expect someone else to tell somebody else about Christ when you yourself can tell them that how much God loved them. That's why we are free. We are free to do what God has called us to do. And I know sometimes people say, well, I'm not good enough. I, I haven't lived good enough. I've messed up. I haven't been the best father I ought to be. I, my family hasn't been this, and this hasn't been that. But listen, God has set you free and has given you a message of reconciliation. God has given you a message so you can tell dying men, women, boys, and girls that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God has placed his love in you. God has placed his Holy Spirit in you. God has empowered every last one of us to do the work he wants us to do. I, I understand how Deacon Riles get a little excited about what the men of the church need to do now. I, I, I understand that. We attended a men's conference on Friday night and on Saturday. And, and you get to a point where you realize we just can't keep not doing what we ought to do. You get to a point where we really need to reach out and, and begin to help. How many young men need us as older men to sow into their life yeah. and to let them know how much God loves them? Yeah. 
we got to quit talking about how bad they are. We got to quit talking about how they dress. We got to quit talking about all the stuff we talk about and start talking to our young men to help them to be everything God wants to be, our young men and our young daughters. <laughs> God has given us a charge. He's freed us to do the work he's called us to do for such a time as this. He's freed us to sow into their life. He's freed us to give into their life. He's freed us to help them to know that God loves them, that Jesus died for their sins. But we don't just tell them that he died for all their sins. We don't just tell them he took on all of our sins and he died. We got to tell them a little more that, that he died for our sins. It's right, he did die. He did die for all of your sins, all of my sins. But the story doesn't stop there. They placed him in a barber tomb. He stayed there all night Friday, stayed there all day Saturday, stayed there all night Saturday. But early on that Sunday morning, the Bible says he got up with all power, power over the grave, victory over death. He ascended into heaven, sent back the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who empowers us to tell dying men, women, boys, and girls how much he loves them. How will you impact the lives of others knowing that God has given you this message of emancipation? God has given your father, our father, expects us as his children to tell those who don't know him about him. That's what daddy wants. That's what daddy can get from us because he's empowered us to do it. If you're here today and you recognize, I need the Lord in my life. I hear the gospel message, but I have not accepted Christ. I need to accept Christ into my life. I, I want to give my life to Christ today. If you're watching on, online, if you're here in this building, we're going to pray a prayer that you can receive Christ into your life. It's a prayer that's rooted out of Romans 10.9 that says, If you shall confess your mouth to Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're here today and want to be saved on Father's Day, what better day than take on Father's Day to say, Lord, I give my life to my Father in heaven, my Father who loves and keeps me. Won't you come today? This is the prayer that you can pray if you want to exceed them right now. Say, Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all I should be. I am sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've accepted Christ so today, we ask you to come forward, give us your hand, give God your heart. If you're online, we ask you to just type the word saved to the number that you see on the screen. Wherever you are today, we accept, we're, ex we're excited of what God has done in your life. If you want to come to the United Fellowship and be a member of First African Baptist Church, just come on down the aisle here. Or if you're online, you go ahead and type that you would like to be a member of First African. Wherever you are, we accept you even electronically. We'll do our best to serve you in this present age. Won't you come today? We have done as the Lord commanded. You may remain standing. We've done the Lord commanded, and yet there's still room. Thank you for coming to worship with us on this Father's Day here at First Alpha Baptist Church. Uh, thank you for what you have given and what you will give. Thank you for those online as well. Let's not forget we have an opportunity to give toward our revival.
connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website firstafricanbc.com You may also contribute through an app called Givelify G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.